If, if you feel like you're alone, or, or you feel like you just need someone, please reach out to anyone in this congregation. If you're not a part of this congregation, reach out to the church office, send an email to office at grayroad.com, put a comment in the, in the live feed, something to let us know that you need help. You just wanna talk to somebody, you wanna pray with somebody, uh, you have some physical or spiritual need, please reach out. This congregation is a very loving and caring congregation. They will overwhelm you with, uh, with their serving and their giving and their praying. So please reach out if you are feeling alone. <clears throat> and for those of you, uh, the rest of us, uh, please continue to reach out. Please continue to reach out to those people that maybe you haven't seen or haven't talked to or haven't interacted with on social media. Uh, actually, let's, let's make this uh, very specific. I want you to think way back to um, a time when churches actually met together in buildings and you were in this auditorium a few months ago. Think about the circle, the sphere of people around you where you typically sit. And, and the people that you talk to every week, the people that you shake hands with every week, and um, I think about one person that's in that sphere that you haven't talked to or you haven't seen or you haven't heard from in the past two months. Would you, would you write that name down, especially if it's someone that may be less connected? Would you write that name down and, and, and purpose to call that person uh, this week, even today? Would you do that where, where you are? Just write down the name of someone that you can contact this week. Listen, it will be a great blessing to them. It will be a great blessing to you. Uh, we need to stay connected as we go through this. So take advantage of that and do that this week. As, uh, as we look to our text this morning, we're going to be in Romans 15. And, and this is a passage that um, I touched on very briefly. One of the last times we were together as a congregation in our prayer time in the first Sunday of March. And um, I, I just spent a couple minutes introducing this, this um, petition for prayer that Paul gave to the Roman church in Romans 15. And it just seemed so relevant at the time as the uncertainty was just beginning. And I've gone back to this passage several times in the last several weeks. And so when, uh, when Toby uh, said that he was going to be gone and he needed somebody to preach, this is the passage that immediately came to mind because it's been so encouraging to me and I think so relevant and timely uh, for all of us. Uh, Paul here, I think, gives us, in, in this request for prayer, Paul gives us a pattern for prayer that I think is very helpful and very useful and has been very helpful for me. And, and even, I would say, a pattern for desperate prayer. And I think we're going to see that as we go through these four verses. Just four verses this week. Uh, we're taking a break from, uh, from 1 Samuel and the 30 to 40 to 50 verses we've been reading every week. Um, um, and, and I just want to say that uh, these, these uh, messages from 1 Samuel have been a great blessing and encouragement to me. It is not easy to, to preach on a narrative of 30 to 50 verses. That's, that's not an easy thing to do. And so I'm grateful how God has worked through Toby and, and Kurt in these past several weeks in 1 Samuel. We'll resume that next week, Lord willing. Just four verses today, though, from uh, Romans 15, beginning in verse 30. Let me read these uh, for us together. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, 
to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all, amen. The, the main idea we're gonna see in this text is this. Prayer is a, a family matter that we do together uh, for the will of God and for the glory of God. Just a little context on what's happening here. Paul is getting ready, he wants to come to Rome, but he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. And, um, and he, there's, there's a real danger for him in Jerusalem. Uh, as, as often is the case, his life is going to be in danger. He's going to be opposed there. And, and so Paul here, and it, it's hard to get this sense from just reading through this, but when you look at the words he's using here, Paul is desperate. Paul is desperate in, in this situation that he is going into. And, the, and where does Paul turn when he is desperate? He turns to his family. Of course he turns to God, but he quickly turns to his family. Prayer is a family matter. He doesn't go to complete strangers. He doesn't go to acquaintances. He goes to his family. And he's desperate. <clears throat> and he, he, we see that just in the first couple words that he uses. He says, I appeal to you. The word there uh, in the King James, it's beseech. It's, it's I beg you. I beg you. I'm desperate. I beg you. This, this isn't Paul running into, <clears throat> running into somebody in the auditorium or in the, in the foyer after the service and, and saying, pray for me, bro. This is Paul cornering somebody and putting his hands on their shoulders and saying, I'm desperate, pray for me. And he says, pray for me, family. Pray for me, brothers. Of course, that's used in the masculine sense. This is a family word. Pray for me, family. Paul knew he could count on his family. This, this is not some language that, that Paul invented in the early church. Uh, this family language uh, is used uh, 250 times in the New Testament in the context of the local church. But it didn't even start there. It actually started all the way back in the book of Genesis. This is covenant language. It started all the way back in, in Genesis with Abraham when God chooses Abraham and he says to him, I'm going to make you a great family. I'm going to make you a great nation. And in you, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. All the families of the world are going to be blessed. And, and so right there, the identity with Abraham, if you were a descendant of Abraham, you were a child of God, a child of the covenant, you were a family. And the Jews held on to that all the way through the Old Covenant and the Old Testament. And they bring that into the New Covenant, the New Testament, through Jesus Christ. Jews are coming to Jesus, and they want to hang on to that covenant language about being the, the children of Abraham or the children of God and, and hang on to those covenant blessings only for the Jews. And, and Paul deals with this very directly in many places, most clearly in Galatians 3 when he says this, 
Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, that's us, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Paul is telling them, <laughs> it's never been about the bloodline. Abraham wasn't saved because he was a certain bloodline. Abraham was saved by faith. It's always been about faith. And if you have responded in faith to Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. You are in the family of God. You get the blessings of that. And, and we are family together. We are brothers and sisters with everyone who has trusted in Jesus. By our Lord Jesus Christ, he says in verse 30, and by the love of the Spirit. We are connected in Jesus. We have the same Spirit. We're family. This isn't just a casual term that we throw around, right? It's, it's pretty, pretty casual now to, to call somebody bro or brother or sister, uh, your friend or your teammates. This isn't a casual thing. This is a very serious, heavy, in, in a covenant sense, life or death thing. And Paul knew and Paul needed to know that he could count on his family in his time of desperation. So he goes to them and he begs them. And he says, family, I need you. This is, this is what we do for each other, right? There is a bond between Christians that, that's, that's hard to explain sometimes. You ever experienced that? I, I remember going on missions trips around the world and you, go, you travel halfway around the world and you walk into a room and you meet somebody that you've never seen before, you've never talked to before, you don't speak a word of their language, you can't even pronounce their name and yet you are instantly connected. You know that this is a brother or sister. You're just connected. I, I experienced this last week. I was standing outside a, um, a hardware store because they were limiting the number of people to get in, standing in line, and struck up a conversation with the guy in front of me. We were just talking about the weather and the virus and all this stuff, and within a minute or two, we could tell that we were connected. And it quickly moved to, to our churches and our ministries and, and the grace of God in, in uncertain times. We were connected. There is a connection between believers in Jesus, and it's connection through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. Listen, this is why we encourage so often reconciliation in the church, especially reconciliation with other Christians. Because if you are not reconciled, if you have a conflict with someone in the family of God and you do not reconcile that, you are damaging the family and you are dishonoring the one who has brought us together, the one who has reconciled us to God. This is a family matter that is very serious. And Paul comes to his family and says, I need you. It's a family matter. I guess the question for us is, are you praying for your family? Are you taking this responsibility seriously to pray for your family, for your church family especially? 
The second thing we see is really connected to the first. In his second phrase, Paul tells us that in prayer, we're, we're in this together. <laughs> Something we've heard dozens of times, even this week. We're in this together. Look what he says next. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Again, it's hard to get the sense of this. This word strive is, is a, a really strong word. The, the root of this word is, is the word agony. Agonize with me in prayer. This isn't Paul in the foyer saying, pray for me, man. I'm going to have a tough week this week. This is Paul grabbing someone and saying, I beg you, strive with me, agonize with me. It's also a word used in competition or in battle. Give me every ounce of energy to, get to, to help me finish the race or win this fight. Fight with me. The, the visual here is Paul says, I have a need. I'm in desperate need. I need a brother on my right and a sister on my left, arm in arm, to strive with me, to fight with me in prayer. Paul knew, or at least he needed to know, that he was not alone. I was reminded this week of a quote from William Carey, the, the missionary to India who knowing he was putting his life in danger by going to India as a missionary, wrote this in, in one of the last things he wrote to his, uh, one of his friends and brothers in Christ. He says this, I will go down into the pit, but Brother Fuller and the rest of you must hold the rope. You see the, you see the, 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 the beauty of that picture? And it's not just for missionaries, it's anyone that, that is struggling or desperate I'm going to go through this, and I'm trusting the Lord as I go through this, but, but you've got to hold the rope. You've got to strive with me. You've got to agonize with me. You've got to fight with me in prayer. There's, there's a tension here uh, that we see often in the Scriptures and often in Paul's writings here between, between the sovereignty of God that Paul is trusting in and the power of God that he is trusting in and yet the human responsibility that we have to, to, to strive and to fight with him in prayer. I mean, I mean it, it's interesting. Wouldn't you think that, that the Apostle Paul could have handled this on his own? If anybody could have handled this, surely the Apostle Paul, him and God, that would have been enough. But if you look at Paul's writings, he was quick to acknowledge his own weakness and, and to engage his church family to fight with him, to pray with him. He understood this, this, there's this tension and this mystery that yes, God is sovereign. Yes, God's purpose and will will be done, but God sovereignly works through his people and the prayers of his people. And he hears those prayers and he is moved by those prayers. That's the mystery. And Paul is quick to say, I need you. I'm trusting in God, but I need you. He says this very clearly in another place when he's, he's writing to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians 1. He says this, He, God, delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. God's got this. God will deliver us again. Don't you think he should just stop there? But he says, You must also help. 
you must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. You see the tension there? God's got this, but this isn't going to happen unless we pray. God is sovereign, but you're responsible to pray for your family. This is what we do for each other. We're, we're family. This is a family matter. We're in this together. I'm going to tell a story now that I'm not going to make it through, so just be, be aware. Several years ago, I, uh, <clears throat> I've worked with a man for a long time. He's a brother in Jesus. And um, you, if you live on the south side, you remember this. He, um, he had a son, and um, his son was 25, 26 years old, young guy. And his son was a pastor. Gave his life in ministry. His, his son served in South Africa for a while, so we kind of had that connection. And uh, his son was a pastor in a little church down here on Southport Road. And you, you probably drive by it if you've been down there, a little church, a cemetery next to it. It's been there forever. And he's organizing a work day on a Saturday morning, and, uh, and um, you know, they're going to clean up and clean up the cemetery. And before it even gets started, a lady wanders in off the street that was men mentally disturbed. And she has a gun, and she shoots him and kills him. Still hurts. And um, this, this man, of course, we have devastated for him. And he's devastated in his wife. And um, after a couple weeks, he comes back to work. And he knew that several of us were praying for him. And he sent us a note. I'll never forget it. And he said, uh, he said, I'm sorry. He said, I'm sorry that you have to bear this burden with me. And he said, but I needed it. So thank you. He knew that he could count on his family to help him bear this unspeakable burden. This is what we do for each other in the church. Church, there are many people in this congregation that are carrying heavy, heavy burdens. They need us. They are desperate. They need us to continue, as you already have been, but to continue to strive with them, to agonize with them, to, to fight with them in prayer, to bear their burden. Have you ever really prayed that way? This way? Strive with me. Have you ever prayed in a way that costs you? I'm not just talking about time, but cost you energy, cost you agony, cost you the, the weight of that burden. Have you, have you prayed like that? 
for someone else? Are you praying like that now for those in our congregation who are suffering? There's a great encouragement in this and there is a a great um, kind of crushing conviction in this at the same time. The encouragement is think about the people that you know in your life in this congregation that you can confidently say, when, when I have a need, when I'm desperate, I know that I have my family and I can think of specific people that I know will strive with me, will agonize with me, will bear my burden with me. I know that I have people like that right now. If you can say that, and I can say that, uh, we are very blessed if, you can, if we can say that. And be grateful for that. And, you know, while we're reaching out to people, wouldn't it, how encouraging would it be to reach out to those people that you know you can count on and say thank you. Thank you. I know I can trust you. I know I can count on you. Thank you for being faithful to me, my brother, my sister. My sister. If you have that, be grateful for it. The flip side of that, the crushing conviction side of that is how many people can say that about me? How many people know that they can count on me? Not to just say, hey, I'm praying for you. But know that I'm gonna be on my face before our Father and our Creator and I'm going to be striving for them and agonizing over them and bearing their burden and, and fighting for them in prayer. How many people can say that about you? We need the purpose to be there for our church family, for our brothers and sisters, because we are connected in the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit. The last two things that we see are brief. Paul here is praying for a literal, physical need. He's gonna be in danger, people opposing him in Jerusalem, but he does so with a spiritual purpose. Paul is always praying, even when he's praying for physical, literal things, he's always praying with the spiritual picture in mind. I think that's a useful pattern for us as we pray for ourselves, as we pray for others. Actually, in verse 30, when he says, you know, I beg you by our Lord Jesus Christ, literally that's for Jesus Christ's sake. I'm not praying this for myself, I'm praying this for the sake of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of this gospel ministry that I'm trying to accomplish It's a physical, literal need, but he's got the bigger spiritual, eternal picture in mind. That's a useful reminder for us. One of the the more famous verses that's quoted and misquoted in the Bible is uh, Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Don't stop there. For those who are called according to his purpose, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Yes, God is working things out in the physical, literal world for our good, but he's doing so according to his purpose to make us more like Jesus. And so when we pray, we need to pray that way, right? If I'm going through a struggle or, or a health issue or whatever, I need to be praying, God, don't waste Don't let me waste this pain. Use it to strengthen my faith. Use it 
to draw me closer to you. Use it to make me more like Jesus. Use it to give me opportunities to witness. In praying for literal things, physical things, which we should pray for, we need to keep the eternal, the spiritual, the gospel in mind. So prayer is a family matter. We're in this together. It's for a spiritual purpose, and it's according to God's will. Paul is praying here again. He's asking them to pray. He's asking them to fight with him in prayer. He's telling them specifically what he wants them to pray about. But he, but he quickly follows that with, so that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Paul often in his letters uses that phrase, if the Lord wills, I'll do this. If the Lord wills, I'll do that. And, and listen, I, I think sometimes <clears throat> we, we kind of think it's a, a cop-out. Uh, to pray that way, that you know, we pray for something that we, that we desire, and then we say, but, but according to your will, or if, you're, if the Lord wills, or you know, if it's in God's will, that, that somehow that's, that's kind of our, our excuse that that prayer doesn't get answered. Well, you know, <clears throat> it wasn't in God's will. It's not my fault. Uh, it's, it's not a cop-out. I mean, Paul here is clearly praying for something specific he desires to happen, <clears throat> but, he's, but again, that tension... But he also knows that, that God has a will and a purpose in everything that he's going to work out for our good and for his glory. And so there is nothing wrong, and, and there is, there is, there is, it is very good to have a, 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 um, an undercurrent of submission as we pray, right? That God, here is what I, I, I desire, and I'm praying for this with all my heart, and I'm striving for this, and I'm agonizing over this, and I'm fighting over this, but but I also know that, that I'm a human being and I'm limited to time and space and you're not. And so I'm not going to be arrogant enough to play God here. I'm going to say, this is what I desire, but I trust you. I trust you. That you're sovereign, but I also trust you that you're good. Martin Luther somewhat famously said this, and I love this. He said, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. Mm. Think about how you pray to God, what your attitude is when you are praying to God. Are you, are you praying with, and seeing a, a reluctant father that you're trying to talk into something like a teenager would his, his dad? Or do you see a loving father that, that's that you are just wanting to, to ask him to be willing. Uh, a loving father who wants to do good things for you. That's what we're praying for when we pray for God's will, that God would be willing to answer our prayer. Matthew Henry said it this way, prayer is surrender. Not bending God's will to mine, but bending my will to his. And I know I've given this um, illustration before, but it's one I come back to often in my own prayer life, especially when I'm praying something where I don't have a clear path forward as to what God's will might be. Uh, the, the picture of the, of the boat that's, that's coming close to the shore, and uh, it's getting shallow, so you can't really row anymore, so they take the boat hook and they throw it to the shore and they attach it to the shore, and then the sailors in the boat 
um, start pulling the boat to the shore, right? I mean, how foolish would it be for those sailors to say, all right, guys, start pulling. We're going we're to pull the shore to the boat. We're going to pull the, the shore and the continent that's attached to the shore to the boat. Like madness. How foolish is it for, for me in prayer to throw my boat hook to the shore of God's will and then try to pull God's will to me. The the scripture says if you're in the presence of God, right, prayer is going to do the exact opposite. Prayer is going to pull your will to his. There is a, there is a, just a humble submission that comes with prayer, and yet a, a boldness in knowing that God moves through prayer and God listens to prayer, and that he is our father and he is our creator and that he is gracious and merciful. And so we pray boldly, but we pray humbly. Prayers according to God's will. As we close here, I, I don't want to miss this opportunity. I don't know who all I'm talking to uh, this morning. But you hear this phrase, we're in this together. There will be one day that we all face uh, where we will stand alone. Uh, on that day, we will stand before God. And the only hope that we will have when we stand before God is that if we're together with Jesus Christ. Because there is nothing that that I can do in my own merits, in my own works, to be acceptable to God. I can't do it alone. I need help. And I have a Savior who came to live a perfect life on my behalf, to offer himself as as a sacrifice in death, and then who rose again in, in triumph over death and sin. If you've never trusted in Jesus, that day is coming, and I don't want you to be alone. If, if you have not placed your trust in Jesus, if you're still trusting in yourself uh, to get to God and get to heaven, that's what religion says. Uh, God knows we could never do that, so he came to us. Would you turn to Jesus this morning? Would you place your faith in in his life, his death, his resurrection on your behalf so that you could be forgiven? Uh, Please contact the the church, anybody in this congregation. uh, If you want to talk more, we will drop everything to have a conversation with you about Jesus and about the good news of the gospel. So please, uh, please take advantage of that. We'd love to talk to you about that. As we close... I wanted to do something a little bit different. There are many disadvantages to, um, uh, to uh, being remote, but there is one advantage. Uh, I, I know if, by looking at the Facebook numbers and the YouTube numbers that, that there are dozens and dozens of families right now in their living rooms together, setting aside time to worship the Lord. And it's a beautiful picture uh, in, in these weird times. But uh, I, I thought rather than in the, in the spirit of this, um, of this uh, text and talking about prayer and urgent prayer and desperate prayer and being in this together, rather than me praying for all of us, uh, why, why not have all of us pray? 
And so when I close in, in prayer here in a minute, um, I'll say amen and the, the live stream will drop off. When I do that, will you pray? Will you strive in prayer for these things? Would you, would you write these down and pray for these in your homes, with your family? Would you pray for these things? Would you pray for Pastor Toby and his family in their time of grief and in their time of travel back here and just in, in everything that he has to do as our lead pastor? Uh, would you pray for our church that God would continue to, to bless us in this time and that specifically would you pray for the elders on Tuesday and up to Tuesday that we will have wisdom to know how best to bring us back together as a congregation. We need you to pray for us. Would you pray for our school? There are a thousand questions that have to be answered before we could reopen our school, and, and there are a lot of implications to that, financial and everything else. Uh, we, we're, we're trying to figure out all, what, what all that means, um, and so uh, pray for the school and the decisions that have to be made there. Pray specifically for the Hardy family who is uprooting their family in the middle of this chaos uh, to come to Indiana, Indiana from Tennessee to be our, our new principal. Uh, that was a big step of faith before this happened. Now, uh, can you imagine everything that they're, they're going through and they gotta sell their house and they gotta build, they're building a new one here and all that? Please pray for them. They, they need their family to pray. Would you pray, continue to pray for the Stookies, for, for Adam and Joy and their, and their boys? I know we, this has been a long one and they've had so many ups and downs and, and um, would you, would you strive with them in prayer? Would you pray for Steve and Monica Myers as Steve continues to fight this battle with cancer? Would you pray for the Matkins, for Dylan especially, but their entire family through this traumatic experience, uh, that Dylan would be healed and that their family would be healed? Would you pray for Claudia Mason's daughter? Um, who has a, a, a medical issue that, that could be very severe, so we need to, to lift up her and, and Claudia and family. And there are others in the, in the prayer list if, if you want to do that, but, but I picked out these as desperate requests that need their church family. Would you do that in your, in your homes where you are? I think that would be a sweet time for you in prayer and a powerful time as we are all praying together uh, striving together in prayer for, for these things. Uh, let me close in prayer, and then when the live stream cuts off, if you would pray, I would really appreciate that. God, we are so grateful for prayer, that we have the privilege of prayer, and that you have given it to us as your children, that we can come into your presence through the finished work of Jesus Christ on our behalf, with him at the right hand and with the Holy Spirit helping us, we can pray and that you hear our prayers and you are moved by prayer and you work through prayer. We don't understand the mystery of it, but we're grateful for it. And I pray now as we pray together, would you be willing to answer these requests for our good and for your glory? In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.